Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Well, welcome to the Midweek in the Word podcast. We're thrilled that you're joining us for another week as we study God's Word together. Um, As always, I am Pastor Brad, um, and this afternoon I am joined by the preaching pastor at Faith Bible Church, Tom. I'm glad you're joining us again. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. Uh, So I want to start off, I've done this before, but I want to start off with a quote. It's a quote that maybe is familiar to some of our listeners, um, may not be familiar, but I expect the author is to most, and and that is the... (laughs) Uh, C.H. Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, as he's often referred to, is, is credited with saying this, and I want this to get us off on our topic this morning. He says this, Preach Jesus Christ, brethren, always and everywhere, and every time you preach, be sure to have much of Jesus Christ in the sermon. You remember the story of the old minister who heard a sermon by a young man, and when he was asked by the preacher what he thought of it when he was rather slow to answer. But at last he said, if I must tell you, I did not like it at all. There was no Christ in your sermon. No, answered the young man, because I did not see that Christ was in the text. Oh, said the old minister. But do you not know that from every little town and village and tiny hamlet in England, there is a road leading to London? Whenever I get hold of a text, I say to myself, there is a road from here to Jesus Christ. And I mean to keep on his track till I get to him. Well, said the young man, but I suppose, or but suppose you are preaching from a text that says nothing about Christ. Then I will go over hedge and ditch, but what I will get at him, so must we do, brethren. We must have Christ in all our discourses, whatever else is in or not in them. Spurgeon's famously given credit for that quote, talking about how we connect every sermon or every message to the gospel to Christ. And so this week, I want to focus a little bit on that because in Sunday's sermon, you talked about and and strongly connected Noah and the ark, specifically the ark to the cross of Christ in your Route 66 sermon series, as we've been doing snapshots from Genesis to Revelation, you talked about Noah and you connected the ark and the cross. But in the young man's words, I did not see that Christ was in the text. So this week, we want to talk about how we find the appropriate road from the text to Christ. But as always, before we get into that, I want to make sure that people get a refresher on what we heard this last week from Genesis 6 through 9 and Noah. So first of all, what did we learn about God in the story of Noah? I thought the interesting thing about the Noah narrative was the number of similarities between chapter 6 and 7 and back to Genesis 1 and 2. And that God is still seeing, God is still watching, and God is still assessing. But uh, in Genesis 1, it said over and over, and God said it was good until he got to man and woman. And then he said it is very good. You get to chapter 6, and God looks at man and woman that have multiplied as commanded on the face of the earth. And instead of saying it is very good, it said his heart was grieved so that God is grieved by sin and his holiness has to respond to that. And uh, man made in his image in order to reflect his glory has perverted and distorted that. But God's plan remained the same. Hmm. A lot of connections there in the first creation and the recreation that we see in the story of Noah, no doubt. What about mankind? Because there's a theme that runs from Adam to Noah. What did we learn about mankind? 
Well, from the first act of rebellion onward, a man has demonstrated that it's a real heart issue, and uh, the culture and the environment was not the cause, but the Scripture says God looked at the heart of man and saw that every man's heart and every intention of his heart was to do evil continually. So the real issue is an internal issue, and uh, that's being addressed. That's uh, the whole narrative of redemption yeah. is that God is addressing that particular matter. Which we want to go there intuitively ourselves, don't we? It's yeah. it's my culture. It's my background. Yeah. It's my family. It's my upbringing. It can't be what's inside of me that's causing the problem. But the story of Noah flies in the face of that. Yeah, that was, I mean, you know that, but, but Noah goes into the ark, comes out into a perfect recreated world, and immediately we find that Noah sins. And you're saying, well, why is that? It's because Noah took Noah into the ark with him. Yep. And until we deal with what we are by nature, we will never become what we're supposed to be. Mm. And obviously dealing with who we are, dealing with what we are, the heart that we have is is the pathway you chose that took us to the point of Christ. So without kind of going down the whole road of how we want to spend the rest of the, the podcast talking about that road, how did, how did the story of Noah point us to Christ? Well, there are a number of ways that got left in the can <laughs> Sunday. But uh, I think the one that came to me clearest was when God called Noah and his family into the ark. The first word for come mm. appears in Scripture that sets a theme that runs through. But he called them into the ark. He sealed them in and they were safe. And in Romans 8, 1, it says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm. So that in Christ phrase that Paul loves showed up early there. We didn't get that far Sunday because we had others. I, I think the, the part about how we see Christ is the question that we'd asked last week is, will there be an ark of safety for us when the storm of God's judgment comes? And uh, what really hit me, and I, I don't know what the shape of the ark is, and there's this, this museum, and someday I get to go see it. <laughs> right. But it looks a whole lot more like a major fishing boat than it does like just a floating box. Mm. But think if you take the description, basically it was a coffin, mm. and God closed them in. But they found life through that picture of death. And then that, so I started really grappling with that. Where do we see that in Christ? And Christ's coffin was the cross and the tomb, and it was blood-soaked, the atonement, and that we found life through his death. When the judgment of God's poured out against sinful man, it was through that judgment that we discovered life because he paid mm. the penalty for us. And so th those were just pictures that just kept popping up out of the text, along with a number of others. Now, we want to explore that a little bit this week, and we especially want to look at how do we get to Christ or get to the gospel in a text that doesn't explicitly... <laughs> say Christ or say the gospel. Obviously, neither of those words comes up in Genesis 6 through 9. So, so I just want to backtrack a bit here, and I want to say, do you think it's appropriate to preach a sermon or for our listeners as they interpret passages for themselves to interpret without seeing how a text proclaims Christ or proclaims the gospel? Uh, that's a tricky question uh, because I think I think we have to be careful. We don't take two shortcuts when we're reading Scripture. One shortcut is just to make it all about me. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean to me or what am I supposed to do or how does that put salve on my wound today? How does that give me direction for my life? That, that's, that's one shortcut 
that is typical with the devotional approach. I think the other is is that we run straight to Christ without doing the diligence of studying the text. So if you're reading one or two verses alone in a devotional way, there's a possibility that you won't have a portrait of Christ there. But it's the narrative that points to it. So it's, it's in the context, reading in the context, and you say, somehow this picture or this portrait or this promise, this principle, points me forward to the coming Christ. But we, I think we also have to be careful that, that we don't find Christ under every little rock or mm-hmm. under every jot and tittle. It's, it's the portrait, the picture that's being painted. And so I think we just always desperate to find Christ in there. We make the scriptures allegorical. We make them paint pictures that aren't there. Got some great illustrations of that, but we don't have time for those. So, <laughs> and we hope to come to that subject of allegory versus Some, we'll typology yeah. in one of these podcasts down the road. That's that's a really good point. You know, we want to make sure we stick with the the appropriate means to get to Christ. You know, you think of Christ saying he he showed them from the law and the prophet and the writings how all of it pointed to yeah. him. Um, that's that's a, that's a broad sweep. You know, those are big yeah. portions of scripture that are that are speaking about Christ. Um, and, I, and I know one of the things that you tend to go to, and, and you really appreciate the work of the Simeon Trust, which many of our li- listeners probably aren't familiar. It's a it's a preaching teaching workshop that you've gone to. I don't, I don't know how many years in a row now, uh, uh, eight or nine times I've uh, gone that you've there. attended yeah. those, and, and you really appreciate their approach. Um, but since our listeners aren't familiar, could you walk them through a bit of the 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 long way around that the Simeon Trust uses to make sure that we don't jump over the fence in an inappropriate way? Yeah, the, the things that the exposition workshop is what Simeon Trust is, and it starts with doing diligent work, and it starts with the biblical text. And so rather than come up with a topic to preach on and then look for supporting passages, Instead, you go to Bible text and you let the text speak for itself. So this would be where the coma would come in, uh, intersect with it. Is you look at its context and then you begin just to make observations. And it's also that, that, that other than Proverbs where he just throws out snippet ideas that may change from text to text, statement of wisdom, typically a writer has an idea or a theme and they're developing it through sentence and paragraph relationships. So you start by just reading the passage over and over and look for where that line is going. What's the theme? What's the message? If you had to summarize it, what is the author trying to say in a simple statement? Which, which then leads you to saying, okay, I think that's what he's saying, but what did the first priest, people that heard it, what did they hear? What did they think? And again, we talked about it before, but you know, they're living in a different time, a different culture, different geographic environment. Um, even the topology of their world is, mm. is in, was it they're hearing it in their context. And as best we can, we need to go back and say, what did the first listener understand this message to be? And so if we've done our diligence there, and we can't be 100% sure, but we know there's only one meaning, and that's the meaning that the author had in mind. Mm -hmm. So we continue to struggle for that. That's what he expected his initial reader to understand. And then Jesus said that you search the scriptures because you think in those you have eternal life, but it is these that speak of me. So we're listening going, okay. These were written by the Spirit of God to prepare us for the coming Christ. And so we, we have to go, where does this, as, as Spurgeon would say, 
where does this road lead me to London? Where does this road lead me to the cross? And once we've been there, then we can begin to ask the question, so what is God's word to me in light of that, in in light of what he said in the word, what it meant, and how it points to Jesus now? How do I apply it to myself? Which the Simeon Trust does a really good job in, in their in their picture. And, and for listeners, we'll be linking um, this image that the Simeon Trust uses on our website in the downloads tab so you can see the way it works. But rather than jumping straight from the text to applying it to our lives, like Tom was talking about, they move through them then, they move through the cross, they do the due diligence. And it really dovetails very well yeah. with the coma method that yeah. we've talked about in the past. If you didn't listen to episode one where we talked about coma and context observation, meaning and application, I'd encourage you to take 20 minutes and go back and listen through that as well, because the two play extremely well together. So, so then in light of this method, in light of these steps, um, let's look at the Noah story. Let's look at Genesis 6 through 9. And as you're thinking through the context and observation in the story of Noah, how did remembering to consider them then, moving through the original audience of the text, guide your study as you began to interpret for last Sunday? Well, I, I spent a lot of time going back trying to remind myself that Israel is fresh out of captivity, but it's been 400 years, and they're now free for the first time, but they are... They are a big extended family. They're not yet a nation. And so he's talking about the multiplication of families, and he's talking about the influence of generations before and how that's passed on. He's also uh, talking to them about how God sees their heart. And he, he's already reminded them that people live, and they may live for a long time, but they still die. And then suddenly now you have a mass removal of sinful people. And so you're, you're, you're struggling going, why did Moses want the children of Israel fresh out of captivity to know this about their God? And I think one of the things is he wanted them to know that while they were being abused and mistreated, he saw and he yeah. heard. And that when he sees and hears, he moves and takes action on behalf that he delivers them. But that also, it just coming out of Egypt where they were captives in this environment of this culture into a new environment or a new circumstance doesn't automatically change who they are because hmm. who they are is in their heart. And so, yeah, it was um, t- to understand what was, what was it that they were hearing about this. Hmm. And then they're hearing, I think, again, their own history. And that is that they are the descendants of Adam but now they suddenly realize every one of us is also a descendant of Noah in some way. Mm. And so I think he's trying to tell them who you are, why you're here, and what your purpose is again. Well, and the painful, ir- ironic part is that it would predict their future as well as they come out. You know, 40 right. years in the wilderness, an entire generation dies off. And unfortunately, their children don't learn the lesson a whole That's lot right. better than their, their parents did from, from this story. The, the whole story was that they lived this, this many years, they had this many children, and then they died. They lived this many years. The accumulation is that as mankind spread across the face of the earth, they multiplied their mm-hmm. sin. So you inherited a sin nature from your father. You're going to pass it on to your children. Yep. Unless God steps in and does something miraculous, we're still caught in that in, uh, we're still victims of death, and we are still caught as captives of sin. 
Mm-hmm. And who's ever going to set us free from that? So as they're free now physically, but they're still spiritually bound, even though they're wandering the wilderness. Which naturally is, is your segue, and you're going exactly where I wanted to go with the next question as far as interpreting this passage and beginning to understand, then how do you take it through the cross of Christ? How do you, how do you find that appropriate road then? Now that you've done this work, you've thought about the original audience, them then, what's your, what's your road in the Noah story through the gospel? <coughs> well, it, we've all grown up hearing that Jesus is our ark of safety, Hmm. but what does that look like, you know? And so you start reading back going, what are the things? And that's why the, the word for atonement is the same word for cover it with pitch on the inside and out. And so you're thinking that, okay, if Jesus shed blood is the, the atoning sacrifice then somewhere in that arc there is that picture. And, and then you're looking at all of the death, and yet there were eight people that lived through it. But they, they, so then you've got this picture of uh, the waters carried the boat up. It carried the ark. So the, the very waters that are the judgment of God are also the waters that lift the, the believers above that. And so you're starting just to look for those lines. But... Yeah, to really find Christ, it, it was tempting to come up with some uh, simple ones mm-hmm. and uh, really ha- had, to, had to really take a look at what, again, like I said, at suddenly to see the ark not as a fishing boat or not as a cruise ship, but as a floating coffin that had a lid that was closed by God, but they were safe in the midst of judgment. And you go, where do we see that? And then you see God pouring out his wrath on the cross, and you're going, wait a minute. So I had to, had to double-check that conclusion because I didn't find it in my commentaries, which was a little bit unsettling. So I had to go back and search it. Is that stretching it too far? And yet it was through death that life came. You see it in both pictures. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you, you, just, you just have to follow those. And I think arrive at your conclusion with a sense of humility. Hmm. that I think this is what it says, but wiser men may show me to be wrong, and I'm okay with that if they do, but at that sort. So you kind of go into it with, I think this is what the Spirit of God is leading us to conclude. I think this is what Jesus would say when he pointed it out, but I'm I'm open to find out that I'm wrong. So as as we seek to apply this concept practically in, in our own readings, you know, without without, you talked about the original word in, in the Hebrew being uh, of atonement and that's similar. Yeah. How, how do we as, as practical readers of the text avoid maybe those, those simple shortcuts? Well, there's, there's wood in the ark, there's wood in the cross, that's my segue. You know, I mean, that kind of idea. How do we, how do, we do the due diligence and try to, try to do this correctly as, as readers for ourselves? Well, my dream was, my prayer was that half the church would read Genesis to Revelation this year, and lots of people are doing that. Um, the The danger side of that is that in the reading Genesis to Revelation, I'm simply checking it off, hmm. and I'm not meditating on it. So again, I think that the way we do it is that we get up 15 minutes early in the morning, we do our reading. And before we shut the light off at night, we think over what we had read. 
and so give it time for those mm-hmm. words and pictures to kind of align themselves in your mind. Uh, David talked about in the night watches, I meditate on your mm-hmm. law. Uh, these are not things that you sit down with paper, pen, and, and you just you just crush it. These are the kind of things that you just muse on, you chew mm-hmm. over. Uh, David said, I meditate on your word, which is basically the picture for a cow chewing the cud. He, he fills his stomach, he brings it back up, he just gnaws away at it till he gets the best out. I think, I think that's the secret to understanding is give it time mm. and don't rush through it, but say there's a principle here or a promise here or a portrait here that I'm supposed to grasp. It's really wrestling with that reality of, of Scripture as meditation literature, that you can yeah. read it for your entire life and still continue to glean new things out of it, still be inspired by it. Yeah. And a lot of the authors that I read on, on hermeneutics, they talk about hermeneutics being both an art and a science. Yes. You know, that you may never have gotten a formal class in hermeneutics, and but just through reading and rereading and rereading and the, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, you begin to put those connections together as the pieces fit together. But there's also a science side where you can get better yeah. at the technical aspects, yeah. which is what we're hoping to do in some of these talks yeah. and that kind of concept. But the best tool being just keep reading, just keep rereading, just never lose your love yeah. for the text as you begin to see those connections. Just, just, just an hour ago, I got a phone call from the first pastor I served under. And he said, Tom, I'm 90 years old. I've read through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Guess what I saw yesterday in, in 1 Corinthians 15? And I'm like, oh, man. I, I mean, he's 90 years old. He's still reading it, and he's still finding new things. I think it's that kind of, I, you never accomplish it. Mm-hmm. That, but that, um, that insatiable appetite to continue to learn will unpack the scriptures on a new level. And our prayers that that would be all of us in an increasing mm-hmm. measure as we go on in life. Well, excellent. There is there is Noah, the story of Noah, how it connects or how we should appropriately be seeking to connect the gospel and Christ to every story in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, anywhere that we find it. But this Sunday, we've got we've got another story coming up. We've got a very common figure in the introduction we get to Abraham in Genesis 11 and 12 that you'll be teaching out of. Um, so whet our appetites a little bit here. What what are you looking forward to in this Sunday's message? Well, I'm really excited about the life of Abraham, but I'm not looking forward to preaching it because <laughs> <laughs> there's so much in the text. And mm. so how to, how to do it justice mm. and give it a framework we can understand. But there are, there are three things I've discovered right now that I'm kind of hanging my thoughts on. There, there is the theme of the tent, the theme of the altar, and the, te- uh, the theme of his faith. And those three just keep showing up in there. So, uh, yeah, what? Um, and then God's promise, we, we pick up a, a word that has shown up all the way back in Genesis 1, and it's coming up over and over, and that's the word offspring. Hmm. And I just, uh, 20 minutes ago, I finished going through his text, marking up the times he used the word offspring. have no idea what that means yet, but it's there, and it's just standing out the page. But I'd say mostly it's the tent, the altar, and the faith seem to be the framework that, that Moses used to tell the story. Excellent. So then with that in mind, how, how do we prepare our hearts for this week's message? How do we begin getting ready for, for what the Holy Spirit is leading you to deliver? 
Well, the, probably the greatest encouragement in Abraham was uh, found in the question, uh, can God bring life out of death? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he throws it. It's in, it's in this narrative that we read the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? And so I would say lots of us are asking the question, this mess I'm in or this hard time I'm in, this disappointment I'm going through, can God bring anything good out of this? And I think we'll find the answer uh, in Abraham's story. Hmm. Very good. Well, that will be this Sunday. I hope you join us for the message on Sunday on Abraham as Tom continues to take us through Genesis through Revelation over the course of this year. And that is it for the third podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week. Uh, We hope that these tools will be helpful to you. Um, Do remember that as you prepare for Sunday's message, uh, the reading for this week is Genesis 11, 10 through 12, 20, and then Hebrews 11, 8 through 19, if you're reading along in anticipation of Tom's messages. And then a couple more things. If any of the discussion that we had today intrigued you and you're looking for more information, um, there's two things I want to highlight. The first is starting February 9th during the second hour service, uh, we will be hosting a Bible interpretation class in the fellowship hall. If you want to go a little more deeper into these things we're talking about, take us up on that, stick your head in there and see, uh, explore a bit more of what of what we've been discussing here. Secondly, if our discussion about the Simeon Trust Workshop in intrigued you at all. Um, This summer, we're hoping to offer a course on biblical interpretation and teaching that explores their model a little bit further. Uh, If you um, are interested in what we're offering there, please shoot me an email. That would be bradm at fbclnk.org. I'd love to know you're interested to make sure you get an invite so we know when and where that will be hosted. As always, know that we're praying for you, praying that the Holy Spirit would guide your reading and your guide your preparation, and obviously guide Tom as he preaches to us this Sunday. And we hope you join us again next week as we talk about the story of Abraham. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth.